welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of March 2015, entitled A Transformed Life, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then after that, we'll be looking back over into Acts chapter 9. I invite you to stand with us this evening to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word. First of all, from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we thank you again this evening for the privilege we have of meeting. Help us, Lord, not to take this lightly. Father, we thank you once again this evening, Lord, for the blessings that have been ours already. We thank you for your word that we have before us. Now, Lord, we stand in great need for you to speak to our hearts. Give us that which we most need at this time. Lord, we will give you all the praise and all the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. In August of the year 386, a long time ago, there was a renowned professor, and he sat despondently in the garden of his home one day, as he sat there, he was thinking back, and of course, this professor had had a Christian mom. He was about 31 years of age at this time, but he had abandoned that faith long since in favor of a Persian false religion of that time known as Manichaeism. And of course, in his search for truth and trying to find happiness in his life. He'd looked to the world for many things. He had taken a mistress that he'd been living with for about 13 years that was not his wife. He finally gave up on Manichaeism. He found it to be very unsatisfactory and not really doing anything for him. And he just continued in this futile search for, for truth in some way. He'd read some books. He'd heard some preaching by one of what's known as the church fathers by the name of Ambrose. And at this point, he had even become intellectually convinced. Now, remember, he was a professor. He was a man of, of intelligence. And as he had been searching all these things concerning Christianity and he had heard the preaching of God's Word, he had in his mind, become convinced that it had to be true, but yet he still held back. What was holding him back so? Well, that same battle that so many, maybe that even some of us here this evening have had, and certainly many have over the years, but his battle with the flesh. In his own words, he said that he had been prevented from accepting the faith by weakness in dealing 
with sexual temptation. In other words, there were many temptations that were coming in his flesh, and he, he couldn't deal with those. And even though he had become intellectually convinced that Christianity was the truth, he just couldn't let go of his sin. As he sat there in his garden that day, and he was really going through great turmoil within himself, and he began to hear a child's voice. And as she was singing in Latin, the words we would translate them today that she was singing was simply take and read or take up and read. In his own words, he describes it this way. He said, I stemmed my flood of tears and stood up, telling myself that this could only be a divine command to open my book of Scripture and read the first passage on which my eyes should fall. So I hurried back to the place where Alpheus, his friend, was sitting. For when I stood up to move away, I had put down the book containing Paul's epistles. I seized it and opened it, and in silence I read the first passage on which my eyes fell. They are recorded in our Bibles, the very next chapter from where we took our reading this evening in Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, and the words are these, let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. <laughs> the one thing that had been holding him back, though he had become in his mind to believe, he had never, it had never moved from his mind to his heart because of these weaknesses of the flesh. And in his own words, he was convinced that God in his grace and mercy that day spoke to him and could not have spoke more clearly not to walk in the way that he had been walking, but to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not to make any provision for that flesh he said, I had no wish to read more and no need to do so. For an instant, as I came to the end of the sentence, it was as though the light of confidence flooded into my heart and all the darkness of doubt was dispelled. I say, preacher, what was that? It was the work of the Holy Spirit, making God's word alive in this man's heart. He was delivered from his sin. <laughs> he was delivered from all of his confusion. And that man, though we would disagree with much of his theology, as we would many of those quote-unquote church fathers, that man's name was Aurealis Augustine, later reputed to probably have been one of the greatest theologians of his day since the Apostle Paul himself had walked the earth. And even that it was much of what he wrote that was later used that brought the great Protestant Reformation about. You see, the thing that I want you to, to grasp is this, is that history is full of individuals 
We talked last week. We looked at the man called John Newton, the man called Mel Trotter. We saw how this man that had been a, a, a slave trader, living a life of pure debauchery as he described it himself, how his life was so totally and completely transformed that he was like another human being. Mel Trotter, a man that was such a drunkard that when his little daughter died, he took her shoes that he was supposed to be taking to the funeral home for her to be buried in and sold them so that he could get a drink. His life transformed into a man that opened city missions, rescue missions all across the United States. This man called Augustine. You see, the list could go on. What we're talking about here is this transformation that the Word of God is talking about. Now, I'm not going to go back through it, but I would remind you that we used the simple illustration with the plasticine last week. Be not conformed to this world. And that word conform means to be pressed. Pressure put on it, pressed into a mold. We take that cookie cutter, we press it. There's only one thing that can happen. You take the shape of that mold which has been pressed into. Nothing else. It can't do anything else. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressured into the mold of this world to be what this world would have you to be, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. These are some of the things that you made last week where rather than that plasticine being simply pressed into a mold, you took and transformed them into something beautiful, something totally different, something completely new. Well, the Bible's saying here, don't be conformed. Don't be pressed into the mold of this world by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something's got to happen. you got to think different from the world. you got to think different than when you were in the world by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's only one way that your life will ever prove what is the perfect will of God, and that's when you're transformed into something new by the renewing of your mind. It's the Word of God that does that, that first step. And we then turn to Acts chapter 9, which is where we want to turn our attention back to because we have a great illustration of this transformation that we're talking about. What is it all about to see a transformed life instead of one that's just being conformed by the pressures around it, one that is transformed? And we saw, first of all, as we looked at this man, Saul, and we looked at many things about him. You can go back and listen to that if you missed it. We focused in on one thing. The first thing we saw in this transformation of this man was a transformed substance. Let's go back and read in Acts chapter 9. And let's read those first nine verses again to start with. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. He was already. I mean, he was out to destroy them. Now he's going to the powers that be and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, 
he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. He's trying to wipe out the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants to go with the highest authority that he can have to be able to accomplish that task. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now I'll just point out there again. Remember, isn't it interesting? Who was Saul persecuting? The church. The church of Jesus Christ. The followers of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus went to him, he didn't say, why are you persecuting those that follow me? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. You see, the first thing, and we looked at all of these different things last week, the first thing that was transformed, this man that was totally transformed, not just pressed, but transformed into a new creation, a new creature. First of all, there was a transformed substance. He was no longer the same man. You see, his very faith, when he left on this journey, he believed very much that what he was doing was good for God. He was totally wanting to wipe out the followers of this one called Jesus Christ. He was a religious man, but he was not a follower of Christ, and he was determined to stamp out Christianity. But he was transformed. The very substance of who he was, and that began from his faith and what he believed. We looked at the fact that that began, verse 3, with contact. <laughs> There's only one way a life will ever be transformed, the very substance of that life, and that's to come in contact with Jesus Christ. There is nowhere else that it can happen. There is nobody else. And once he came in contact with Jesus Christ, the next thing we saw was conviction. He was convicted of his sin, of his wrongdoing, of who he was and what he was. And then we saw his conversion. And then we saw his consecration as he was set apart and his communion. Now, you stop and think. We finished there with him being there without sight for three days, without food, fasting. Do you think that... Maybe God had to give him some time to reflect on what was going on in his life. Do you think that such a total transformation in his life, when he was set out doing all of these things and absolutely convinced that what he was doing was right, and then he meets this man called Jesus, and his whole life is transformed. Everything that he believes is transformed. 
You think that that might have took some adjusting? I don't know what went on those three days. The Bible doesn't share. We don't know all that took place while he was there waiting. But I do believe that Saul had that time to commune with this one that he had just met. We find that we find that in the next three verses, that is his substance, his faith, all that he was, all that he believed, as that was transformed, there was something else that was transformed. And I believe that as we look at these things, that if we look back, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The apostle Paul, Saul at that time, he was renewed mentally that went right through his whole being. He had to start thinking differently, but that was because of coming in contact with Jesus and his conversion. You see, he says here in verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. The Lord said unto him, Arise. Go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. We know one thing that he was doing while he was in the house. He was praying. <laughs> and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. You see, a life that is transformed in Jesus Christ, we need to realize there's an awful lot of people today, and I think one of the greatest travesties of all is that there are many, many people that get a dose of religion that maybe even are conformed into something better than they were by pressures of people around them, by what other people think, what other people want them to do, but it's still just a conforming they have not been transformed by the renewing of their mind through the Word of God, through the work of God in their lives. A life that is transformed, their very substance will be transformed. They will not be the same person. They will not believe the same things, but not only are they transformed in substance, they're transformed in sight. May I say to you, <laughs> you will not see the same things and you will not see them in the same way. You cannot look through those eyes of a transformed person and see things the same way you did in the flesh. You have a different vision. We find that we often don't see all that the Lord is doing in our lives. There are many things that he does for us behind the scenes on our behalf that we don't fully see, but while Saul waited just as the Lord had instructed him to do, laid there blinded and fasting. At the same time, God was dealing with another man named Ananias on his behalf. Paul was doing exactly what God had told him to do. We know if you look forward into chapter 22 that this man Ananias was a devout, sincere man of God. He was a Christian that was well thought of and well spoken of by others. He was one of the Christian leaders, if you would, that walked a close life with the Lord. Now, 
Ironically, when you stop and think about this, if, if he was one of the well-respected Christians there, well-respected for his Christian faith, guess, guess who Saul would have been going after when he was on his way there, on that road to Damascus? Guess who he would have been going after to lock away in prison? Ananias, you can count, he was going there. If this was one of the, the guys that was most outstanding in the community, it's one of the very ones that would have been one of Saul's main targets when he arrived there. So this would have been a severe test of Ananias' faith as well here in doing what God wanted him to do because he would have known of Saul's reputation, no doubt about that. It was well known amongst the believers. But the thing that Ananias would not have known about at this point, he couldn't have known about at this point, was that that man had been transformed, <laughs> that he had been converted. <laughs> he wouldn't have known about that. When God's telling him about Saul of Tarsus, you can imagine what would have been going through his mind and this one that God is wanting him to go down for. We're told that Saul during that time was praying. He was praying. Again, I, I believe that is just one of the very simple signs of a transformed life when a person desires to communicate with God. Those who have been truly transformed will have a desire to commune with God. Paul's sight had changed a lot. His vision had changed dramatically here. One that had come to this very city to destroy anything that had anything to do with Jesus Christ. The Lord showed him was now going to be the very one that the Lord would use to restore his sight. The one he came to destroy was the one that was going to come along and restore his sight to him. A pair of visions from the Lord was brought about to bring two men together who prior to this transformation were as far apart as day and night. <laughs> they couldn't have been more far apart. Of course, a life that is truly transformed will have a transformed sight. And I believe we see it in both of these men. <laughs> you see, Saul's sight was certainly changed. He was seeing things very, very, very differently than he had before his experience on that road to Damascus. Things look very different to this man now. But also we see it in Ananias. As he was told to go there, to go to this one that was renowned for destroying the Christians. Be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. A transformed substance, a transformed sight. But notice next in verses 13, reading down through 18, what happened then? Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man 
how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Has God ever come to you and asked you to do something and you kind of wanted to ask him, Lord, are you sure that's what you want me to do? Are you sure that's what you want me to do? You see, we see here a transformed substance and a transformed sight, but this is a transformed service. God's asking this man to do something that, Lord, may I remind you just who this person is that you're wanting me to go down there and visit with and talk to and witness to. We find that there is no doubt Ananias is doing that, but 15 says, the Lord said unto him, go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias, I know. I know that's who you think he is. I know that you know of his reputation. I know that in the flesh, but Ananias, go. I am transforming this man's life. I have transformed this man's life. This is a man that's going to do service for me. This is a man that I am going to use to carry out my work. I know that's not his past, but he's not the same man anymore. Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now remember, this would have been a severe test of Ananias' faith. <laughs> it's obvious from Scripture that he wasn't real crazy about the idea of going down to see Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> Sometimes when the Lord comes to us, he asks us to do something. We think that maybe Maybe we're mistaken or maybe the Lord's mistaken. The Lord knew exactly what he was doing. You see, when we look at somebody and we look at the external and we see what they are, what they have been, but when God looks, God sees what they have become or what they will become or what they will be. So we find that part of a transformed life, yes, the substance and the sight as we continue to see here, but the service. Ananias was being used of God, and he was being told that the reason he was being used was because that this very one that had been trying to destroy Christianity, God was transforming all that, and now he was going to work for him. Now he was going to be his special servant to do what he wanted him to do. We find time and again in the Apostle Paul's writings when he recounts what took place here on the road, what took place in his life, time and again, he says it was solely, solely by God, solely 
by God's grace. There's no explanation for it. There's no explanation why God would have reached down and changed my life like he did. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That'll be a transformed substance. You will not be the same person if you are. Something is missing. There will be a transformed sight. You will not see things the same way you did, and there'll be a transformed service. You will not be serving the same master. You will not be doing the same things. At this point, Saul's service was taking a complete about face. The very one that he had set out to destroy the very one that he had in the past inflicted much pain upon was the very one that he was now going to dedicate his life to and serve him for the remaining of his days. His focus would be to serve the Lord. Now, there is no way that Saul fully understood all that that meant at this time. There's no way that he fully understood the full cost at this time. But when the time came, he was willing to pay that cost. He was willing to pay whatever cost to serve the one that he loved. You see, a transformed life will mean a transformed service. Time and again, how does the Apostle Paul describe himself in Scripture as a servant as a bond servant, as a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, the transformation, the transformation that takes place by God means that we are transformed totally and completely. A transformed substance, a transformed sight, a transformed service. And I want you to see one other one this evening. Notice what he says in verse 17. He said, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, in the last few words of verse 17, something else had been transformed, and something else had been transformed in Ananias' life that took him there, and something was being transformed in Saul's life, and that was his very strength, his very source of his power, of who he was that would accomplish these things. Ananias could not have gone there in his own strength. We find that part of what was taking place there was the filling of the Holy Ghost, in the apostle's life, he would not only possess a new nature, but he would possess a new power, a power from within that would empower him to accomplish this service, this work that God was calling him to do. Now, the Holy Spirit had already been active in Saul's life. It was the Holy Spirit that would have convicted him of sin, convinced him of the Savior, converted him and baptized him into the, into the body of Christ. 
We don't get into all that again, but we believe from Scripture that that baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place when we are converted. We are baptized into God's family, into the church. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is a continual process in our lives as we yield ourselves to Him. We need to be filled daily, continually in our lives. Saul was being filled with the Holy Spirit here. He was being given an empowerment that was not his own. A transformed life does not operate in its own strength. There are many religious people that accomplish a lot of things and they do it in their own minds and their own strength and their own powers. But this transformation that was taking place here went way beyond that. His strength, the very source of his strength, was being transformed. Now, it's significant to notice in Scripture, I think, that this is the first time in the early church that we're told in Scripture of someone receiving the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Without the presence of what? An apostle. (laughs) You see, always before, why? Because he was a Jew, which the Spirit had poured out upon at Pentecost, and he himself was an apostle chosen of God to be part of that very foundation of the church. God's apostles, God's chosen vessels were given special powers, special strengths to accomplish the things for the Lord. The Holy Spirit works in this transformation process in different ways. What we must do is yield ourselves to him, yield ourselves to God's control. He'll take what strength we have and and make them into something much, much more. Saul was already a a, a leader. He was already a a strong-willed person. He was a man that already had strong convictions. He certainly was a bold man. We know that from some of the things that he was doing, that he was very motivated, that he had a good mind. (laughs) The Spirit would take those things, though. He would refine them, and he would put them to work for someone else, and he would use them in a way like they'd never been used before. Of course, the Spirit would also eliminate some of the (laughs) undesirable characteristics that he had. He would replace his hatred with a love like he couldn't even imagine. He would give him a peace that he had never had before. He would take this man that was so rough that people feared his very presence, and he would use him for one, to bring comfort to others. He would take one that was proud of who he was and humble him down to realize that he was nothing without the Lord. What did Saul need to do? He needed to yield himself totally to the Lord, to this new power source in his life that had been placed within him. Christ was now present in his transformed life. The Holy Spirit was now living within him. He had taken up his abode. 
Saul needed to yield himself, and it's the same thing. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressured and pressed and molded into what the pressures around you of this world want you to be. Some of them may even be religious pressures. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be created into something that God wants you to be. Let him do the work. Just yield yourself to him. Be not conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes if we're not careful, we're still trying to think in the old way. Let our minds be renewed by God's word and by that spirit that lives within us. He will transform the very substance of who we are. He'll transform our sight in the way that we see things both now in the present and in the future before us. God does that for every human being that he transforms their life. He'll also transform your service. (laughs) Your work, your life, will be lived for someone different, but he'll transform your strength because that Holy Spirit is placed within you that will be the very source of all that God wants you to do. That's part of the transformed life. A conformed life doesn't have that. A conformed life is only working in its own power, but a transformed life is very different. God willing, we'll look at a couple of other things in Paul's life here Next Sunday as we come back to this, oh, but I just want to remind you this evening in closing, when the Word of God says, you know, there's pressures all around us. This world is a place of pressures, but don't be pressed into the mold of the world, (laughs) of what they want you to be. Bad world, good world, evil world, religious world, by any of them. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. And of course, that first transformation must take place in our faith and our belief. But in our Christian walk, we need to be transformed into what God wants to make us, not what the world would mold us to be. They may not like what they see sometimes but a transformed life in the Lord Jesus Christ is a life that will change this world. Father, we thank you this evening. We can have a a confidence of knowing. Lord, we're being instructed here not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove what is that perfect will of yours. That's the only way that our lives will ever be able to accomplish your will is for our lives to be transformed. Lord, there's so many lives around us that have never been transformed in that first state of the substance of their faith and just being born again. But Lord, as believers, our lives need to be transformed as well by the renewing of our minds. We need to think different. We need to allow your word to take its rightful place. Help us to think like you think and not like the world thinks. Help us to yield ourselves and give ourselves, Lord, because it's all there. You've taken up residence within us. 
transform our lives into what you would have us to be, that your perfect will can be accomplished in our lives, through our lives, that they may bring glory and honor to you. And Lord, we can look at many, but as we look at this great example from Scripture, how his life was so totally and completely transformed and all the things that went along with that transformation, allow it to be both an encouragement to us and allow it to be a challenge to us. Allow it to remind us of what you can take and do with a life. Help us, Lord, in transforming our lives and help us to give us the, use it to give us the courage that we need to believe that you can transform those lives around us that, Lord, they may seem to have no interest whatsoever. They may seem to be the worst enemies possible of the church and of Christianity, but help us to be reminded nobody is too far gone for you. Nobody is so bad that their lives can't be transformed by the work of God in their lives. Help us, Lord. Encourage us with those thoughts. We give you the thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 